the kingdom of God is as multifaceted and mysterious as our creator. A kingdom we only see now through a glass darkly. Though we can't picture it fully, God's kingdom is the story told in scripture, from the garden to the city. And in the middle of the story, God chose to reveal his kingdom in a new way. The gospel is not only Jesus coming and dying to save us from our sins, it's also the story of God establishing his dwelling, dominion, and dynasty in the world. We live as both citizens and strangers, prisoners of hope in this shadow kingdom, all while knowing it's not our true home, that something better is coming, that God's perfect kingdom is coming. Hey, what's up, Trademark? Miss you guys. Wish you could be here in order to hear uh, tonight's sermon. Tonight? Why am I saying tonight? This is like 9 and, well, right now it's 2.45 in the afternoon, and uh, when I post this, it's 1.45 in the afternoon. I can't read a clock. When I post this, it's going to be like 9 in the morning or something, but I'm glad you guys can be here tuning in to see our sermon. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 as we finish out the sermon on the Mount this week. The last five weeks we've been in the book of Matthew, chapter 5 through 7, reading through and kind of teaching through what is one of the greatest sermons that Jesus ever taught. And uh, so we're capping it off tonight. Jesus has preached through kind of his, his core teaching of like the whole life and mission of Jesus is summed up in Matthew 5 through 7. Here's how you ought to live as citizens of this new kingdom that God has created on the earth. God has created this, this new mankind. Jesus is presented as this true and, and better Moses, a true and better man. He's here to give the law. He's here to, 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 to tell the people of God, here's what life looks like in the kingdom of God. And, and he finishes it off after he's preached with his conclusion. And, and so what we're looking tonight is the conclusion of this Sermon on the Mount. And so as we read through and preach through everything here, we need to remember that this is a conclusion of everything that's come before. So we can't listen to this in a vacuum. We can't take this on its own. But we take this remembering everything we've learned before, everything we've, we've heard before about the, the character of God's people, that, that, that we have this low-key kingdom, that, that we are a people who trust God and, and love others. All these different things that shape us as the people of God. And, and now Jesus comes in and he gives us some warnings to end out his sermon. So let's read together in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 29. This is what the word of God says. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name 
and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not as their scribes. Let's pray briefly. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this sermon that we have had the opportunity to study through these last few weeks. I pray now that as you conclude these words that that we would hear them and that we would heed the warnings that you give, that we would be obedient to your voice, that we would uh, let your word shape and change our lives, that we would conform our hearts to yours. We ask these things for your beautiful name and your glorious fame. Amen. Amen. Jesus has spoken with authority. The final words of this sermon, he spoke with authority, not as one of their scribes. And and if we can summarize anything about the life and teaching of Jesus, it is this. Jesus was a man who spoke with authority. And and so you've been here the last five weeks as we studied the Sermon on the Mount. You've been here throughout this series, and you have heard the teaching of Jesus. You, You have heard him say how you ought to love your enemies. You have heard him say how you ought to trust him with your life, with your money, with your resources. You've heard him say how you ought to treat other people in God's kingdom, how you ought to give yourself sacrificially and to so sacrifice yourself in love that you just give your entire life to the good of other people. You've heard Jesus say that whatever someone else would do to you, whatever else you want someone to do to you, you should do that to them. You've heard all these things, and Jesus has spoken them with authority. And now the question for you is, how will you respond? Will you obey the voice of God? Will you listen to what Jesus has said? Will, will, will you let the authority of God bear its weight on your life? Will you conform your life to the teaching and the message of Jesus? Or, or will you say, cool, good talk, and go on your own way and keep living your life? Will you do what Jesus says? This whole sermon is a callback to the book of Deuteronomy. For those of you, I know there's a number of us who are reading through the Bible in a year uh, on the Bible app plan. If if you want to get in on that, you can hit me up and I'll let you know. I'll add you into that. But there's a few of us reading through that. And if you've been following along with the schedule, right now we're in the middle of Deuteronomy. So I've been reading that in evenings and mornings as I've had time to do my Bible reading throughout the last few weeks. And we've been in the book of Deuteronomy. And, And what we see this theme in Deuteronomy is again and again, Moses gives the law to the people of God, for, for, for the people in Israel. He, he gives God's law, and, and then he says at the end of the book, hey, you've heard the law, and now how will you respond? If you will obey the law, there will be a blessing on your life. I'll bless your cows, I'll bless you, I'll bless your house, I'll bless your children, all these different things. Your life will go well because you've obeyed the voice of God. And I also said before you today, a curse. If you hear these words and you do not obey, then your cows will die, your house will fall apart, your marriage will be a wreck, your life will be a wreck. You you will not thrive and prosper in your life because you haven't listened to the voice of God. And now Jesus is essentially doing the same thing with his sermon. 
He's, he's saying here's the law, not just for the people in Israel for, for a specific time, but here's the law of God for God's people everywhere in all times and all places. And, and now I lay before you a blessing and a curse. Will you listen to what I have said? Will you obey my words? Will you live according to my teachings? Or will you ignore them and move on? If you will obey, there is a blessing on your life. If you will ignore them, there is a curse. See, there is no third way in the kingdom of God. There is only one way to heaven. Every other way is a path to destruction, and there is no middle ground. This is difficult for us because we live in a world that does not like dichotomies. Our, our, our world today struggles with black and white choices. We so often want to find the gray in things, and we want to kind of live in between and, and in the middle and try to compromise as best we can. We, we, we want to try, to try to make life work for us. We don't like being told straight up how, how to live our lives, what we ought to do. We want the freedom of choice to live our lives in, in, in our own custom-tailored version of righteousness. And Jesus comes and he confronts them. He says, hey, there are only two ways to live your life. You either live your life following the word of God, you live your life following my teaching, or you live your life any other way, and that is a way to destruction. This is what he says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter by it are many. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Those who find it are few. See, our temptation in life is to sort of follow Jesus, to almost obey wholeheartedly, to obey Jesus when it's convenient for us, to, to, to follow what we're able to follow and, and kind of live life for ourselves, but then when it's not convenient, when it doesn't work out, when, when, when we don't like the way that, that, that Jesus asks us to live, we want to pick and choose our own way. And Jesus says, you're either for me or you're against me, and there's no in-between, you are either on a path to life, and it is hard to do, it is, it is hard to get there, or you're on a path to destruction, and let me tell you, that is an easy way to live. Jesus ends this sermon with three warnings presented as choices. These are warnings and not threats. He, he doesn't come with, with, with a stick to, to beat us over the head and say, hey, obey or else I'm going to hit you, but he says, hey, watch out. Look at how your life is going. Look at the life you're living and examine yourself. Are you following me? Are you really my disciple? Are you really part of this kingdom? And, and he presents a sort of test of discipleship for us to know, are we, really, are we really living as citizens of the kingdom of God? Are we really citizens of the kingdom of heaven? Or are we still citizens of this world? The, the, the first thing he says is, is you must obey. There are two ways in this life, but they are not equal ways. One way is far easier than the other. This presents us with a great challenge because we are accustomed in our lives to do what is easy. We, we enjoy doing the easy things in life. This is how our whole world is designed. Microwave food. I can put a hot pocket in and in two minutes I can have dinner. And does it taste very good? Eh, it's kind of okay. But it only took two minutes and now I can get on doing the rest of my life. We enjoy the easy things. Heck, I order my toilet paper on Amazon because it's way easier than standing in the line at Walmart right now. Like, th this is just easy things. I don't have a toilet paper shortage because I order in bulk and I get it on Amazon once a month and Amazon still has it in stock. I don't know why y'all are freaking out about Walmart. Really, the, the toilet paper at Amazon, is, it's, it works. There's always enough. There's always more. It's great. It's great. I'm a toilet paper evangelist for Amazon. But it's easy. 
It's easy, and it's set up to be that way. And I spend a lot of money on Amazon because it's easier than going to the store. Our life is set up that we want to do easy things. And and the greatest danger in your life is that you are just going to settle for the easy thing in life. The greatest danger to to your faith is not actually outright rebellion. It's really unlikely that you are going to end up as a murderer or a child molester. Just given the statistics, very few people in in, in this room and watching online are going to end up ruining their lives through through these really drastic, intense choices. What's more likely to happen is that you're going to live indifferent to the things of God. You're going to live just a so-so life. You're going to kind of obey, and your life is going to be kind of okay, and then you're going to get to the end of the life, and and Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you because you didn't obey me wholeheartedly. You didn't follow me. You followed yourself. You followed your appetite. You followed your heart. Jesus doesn't call you to follow your heart. He calls you to follow his. There's only two ways to live. The greatest danger to your faith is indifference to the commands of Jesus. It's easy It's easy to, to, to just lie about what happened on Friday night. It, it's pretty easy to, to cut corners rather than give your full effort on a project. It's easy to get answers from someone else and then do, instead of doing the homework. It's, it's easy to delete your browser history instead of confessing a porn addiction. It, it, it's way easier to cheat on a test than it is to study. It's easier to keep walking than it is to confront a bully. It's easy to, to keep silent and keep your mouth shut than it is to impose, to oppose injustice. It's, it's easy And these seem like small inconsistencies. These seem like just just little things. Small elements and and small small moments of disobedience, but overall, man, I'm doing good. But the biggest threat to your faith, the biggest threat to you is is that you will disobey in the small things, is that you will not live a consistent life. See, it, it is hard to obey what Christ has called us to do, but ultimately, that that life of hard obedience is the Christian life. But how great is the reward? It's a path to life. Obedience, o- obedience in big things is, is pretty easy. It's, it's easy to come to an altar and pray a prayer. You, you're at camp, the piano's playing the nice soft gospel chords, and Pastor Gabe's preaching up a storm, the lights are down low, and it, it's easy just to raise your hand and, and pray a prayer, come to the altar, you cry a little bit, it feels really emotional. But then you get back to class on Monday morning, and it, it suddenly becomes really difficult to live out this Christian life in the everyday, m- m- mundane things. It, it is easy to make a decision to get baptized. That's literally our church's whole shtick, is we make this easy for you. We, we give you a change of clothes. We give you fresh chonies. Like, we, 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 I, I come early, I come at 6 a.m., I turn on the hot water so that it's 80 degrees in the tank. Like, y'all, getting baptized is not a hard thing to do, but it's much harder to live out the results of that baptism to say, I've decided to follow Jesus, not just on Sunday morning on a stage, but on Tuesday night in my bedroom when no one else is watching and no one else knows what's going on in my head and my heart. It's hard to obey when when I can text anything I want to anyone I want, and I can start whatever drama I want to start, and I can have whatever gossip I want to have. It's it's much harder to obey in those moments. It's hard to read your Bible and pray consistently on a daily basis. It is hard to come to church every week to to wake up early to to do the prep or, or to volunteer in a kid's class or to play on the worship team. It's hard to honor your parents when it feels like they're being over the top in their rules and, and, and their stipulations for, their, for your life. It, it's hard to love your enemies as yourself. It's hard to turn the other cheek when you're assaulted and insulted. 
It's hard to put all your hope and your trust in Jesus rather than in the things of this world. But ultimately, obedience in those areas will will come to define a life devoted to Christ. Christ is a life devoted to him, is a life devoted to obedience. You're either on one path or another. It's these small, everyday choices that make the difference between life and death. I I don't mean to preach a sermon of moralism. I'm I'm not trying to preach obedience as a a path to life or, or righteousness, but I'm saying that a life that is redeemed by Christ is a life marked by obedience. And if your life is not marked by obedience to the things of God, I would urge you strongly and caution you, examine your heart. Are you really following Jesus? Have you really gone all in on the things of God, or are you simply following your heart, following your appetites, following your desires, on a path to destruction? The second warning Jesus gives, be careful who you follow. He sets this up as two prophets and two trees. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inside they're wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Who are you following? Who are you following in life? Jesus sets us up as, as, as look out for false prophets. And I, and I think in our world, we still have a number of false prophets. They may not call themselves prophets, but we have all sorts of things in our life and people in our life who influence us and tell us how we ought to think, how we ought to behave, how, how we ought to pattern our lives. I, I would ask you, what determines the order of your day? What sets your schedule? Is your schedule set by, by biblical priorities When you wake up in the morning, what is the first thing you're doing and and who's determining that? Who decides which app opens first? Is it version or is it Instagram? No judgment, but what's your profit? Who's telling you how to live your life? Who's determining the the first insight on your day, the first thing you see in the morning? What is it? Who are you following? Who, who are you patterning your behavior after? Who are the influences in your life? Who are, who are the teachers that you look up to? Who are the friends that you follow after? Who are the, the influencers and, and, and the YouTube channels and the different social media platforms? Who is determining how you are composing your, your life? Who controls your calendar? Who's setting the agenda on your life? Is it you? Is it your friends? Is it the Lord? Is, is it your pastor? Is it your friends at Trademark? Examine who are the prophets in your life. Who are the people determining how you live? And where are they leading you? Do they make you look more like Jesus? This is the only question that matters, by the way, in deciding, should I do this thing? Should I watch this video? Should I do this activity? Should I, should I be at this event? Should I hang out with these people? The, the only question that you have to ask yourself, is really an easy question. Are you going to look more like Jesus afterwards, or, or are you going to look more like the world? Is this activity going to make you pattern your life and, and become more in love with Jesus, or is it going to make you love whatever? Is it going to make you love your friends more, or is it going to make you love Jesus more? Is it going to make you love the things of God more, or is it going to make you love the things of this world more? And if you can answer that question, honestly, that will save you a lot of strife and a lot of problems in life. 
And if someone is leading you anywhere other than Jesus, they are not worth your time. They're not worth your energy. They're not worth your efforts. You are frankly worth more than whatever crappy friends you have that are trying to get you to smoke pot and do whatever else with your life and hang out at parties and chase after, chase after a bunch of girls. You're worth more than that. Your life is worth more than that. Christ wants your heart. He doesn't just want a, a little piece of you. He wants all of you. He doesn't just want your mind on a Wednesday night and a Sunday morning, but he wants every waking moment of your day, every waking moment of your life, and are the people in your life getting you closer to that or further from that? And, and if you don't know, look at their life. What is their fruit? A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So if you look at their life and they're a mess, maybe you shouldn't follow them. If all your friends are drama, stop hanging out with them. If, if everyone in your life is, is negative and, and you're negative, what do you think the problem is? It's not you. It, it's, not, it's not your head. Get your head in someone else's group. Get yourself somewhere else. You'll see some change. I shouldn't say it's not you. Maybe it is you. Could be you. If it is you, get some different influences. Get a different outlook on your life. Get some help. Do you want your life to look like the people around you? If the answer is no, don't follow them. Do you want your life to look more like Jesus? Find people whose lives look more like Jesus. Find people whose lives are, are patterned after Jesus and follow them. Look at your trademark leaders. Look, look at some of the, there, there's some students in trademark who really stand out as people who are dedicated to Jesus. You'll find them at a Starbucks studying their Bible. You meet someone like that, look at them, pattern your life after them, become their friend. Find, find the trademark leaders and ask them, you know, what do you do in the morning when you wake up? What does your free time look like? What, what, what are you doing on a Friday night? And you'll catch me and Moses at Hogs Barbecue eating barbecue and talking about the Lord. That, that was just my Friday night. That, I, don't, I don't say that to brag, but I say these are the types of people you should follow. People who want to spend their Friday night talking about Jesus for three hours. Find these people. Pattern yourself after them. Pattern yourself. I, gosh, I, I live with Pastor Gabe, and, and I see this in his life every day as, as he's spending time in scriptures. He's spending time in prayer. And, and, and I've become such a better follower of Jesus just by living with Gabe and seeing how does he live his life? What are the habits that he follows? And saying, well, can I implement some of those? Can, can, can I make my bedtime routine no longer two hours of YouTube and instead make it some time sitting down in a chair, journaling about the day and, and reading my Bible? Like these are just disciplines I've tried to input because I've seen, hey, this is what someone who's super spiritual does. I want to be more like them. And so I'm going to pattern my life after them. You can do the same thing in your life. But, but lest you hear all this and think that, think that obedience is the path to salvation, Jesus gives one final warning. Well, obedience alone will not save you. So you can do all the right things, and, and you, can, you can white knuckle it, and, and you can try so hard, and you can, just, you can work as hard as you can and work your butt off. But that obedience is not going to be the determining factor in your salvation. It's going to be Jesus. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, he says, looking forward to, to a future day, people will come to him when he sits in judgment, and they'll, and they'll say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? We did all the right stuff. We obeyed. We, 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 worked, we worked hard. We, we cast out demons for you. Do you know how hard a demon is to cast out? You have to pray 17 times and throw holy water on them and their head spins around they vomit on you. We did all that for you. And then I'll declare to them, verse 23, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What's going on there, Jesus? I gave you my life. I was at Trademark every Wednesday. I was faithful. I, I was on stage for worship team. I came early for worship practice. I volunteered in the kids' class. I was in the nursery. Babies were pooping on me. He said, depart from me. I never knew you. Working in the will of God is different than working in the name of God. There's a big difference between showing up and working, but then God having your heart in all that. Because the whole time you were in the nursery, you weren't doing that for Jesus, you were doing that for yourself. You were on stage, and your only thought was, man, don't I look good playing this guitar solo? And, and, and that girl is going to think that, that guitarist is so cute. And, and, and that girl's going to be, man, that drummer can play. And that guy's going to say, wow, what a woman of God as she plays those keys. And Your heart wasn't in it. Someone else had your heart. Obedience without heart is worthless to God. Actions without your heart in it, it's worthless. It's filthy rags, Isaiah says. He doesn't want your obedience. He wants your heart. He says this again and again. This is, this is God's word to his people all throughout the Old Testament through the prophets. I don't care about your sacrifices. I detest your festivals. I, 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 I couldn't give two rips about any of the obedience you do because your heart wasn't in it and, and you were doing it for yourself and not for me. God is so much more interested in the state of your heart than he is in, in, in the state of your hands, in, in what you're doing and how you're acting. God wants your heart. Does God know you? Does he have your heart or only your hands? Is your heart devoted to God in all these things? As you work and, and, and as, you, as you walk, as, as you live your life, do you live your life with a heart devoted to God or with a heart devoted to yourself? Is your heart devoted to the things of God? Are your priorities determined by what God says and what God does, or is it determined by the culture around you and the world around you? It's all that matters. It's all that matters to Jesus in the end. Does he have your heart? He concludes by, by giving an analogy. Everyone who hears my words and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, but it didn't fall because it was on the rock. But if you hear my words and you don't do them, you're going to be like a man who built his house on sand. The rains came, the floods came, the winds blew, and his house collapsed. Where is your life built? Is your life built on the foundation of Christ? Is, is your life built on, on, on the sure certainty of God's word? Is your life built in obedience to God, or is it built on the sands of this world? The world is constantly changing. The requirements to, to, to be 
culturally appropriate in our world have, have been changing throughout my entire life. What, what a culturally appropriate person looked like when I graduated high school versus what they look like now are two wildly different things, and it's only been six years. In six more years, I, I imagine it'll look entirely different, and in ten more after that, it'll, it'll look again different. If you pattern your life after the things of this world, your life is going to collapse. Because it's sand. It can't support the weight. It's always changing. There's no support there. The only true life, the only true way to righteousness and holiness and satisfaction in life is that your life is built on Christ. And what this means is you hear the word of God and you do it. You do it. It's Nike or Shia LaBeouf. Just do it. Listen and obey. James says it this way, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Instead, do what it says. See, you can come to Trademark, you can have your Bible open, you can hear the sermons, you can listen all you want, but if you don't do it, you're just deceiving yourself. You're, you're fooling yourself into thinking that you are a good Christian. You're fooling yourself into thinking that I have my life together and, and I'm good and I'm going to heaven when I die, but you didn't do it and so it doesn't matter. All your good works, all your righteous deeds were for nothing. Because it wasn't for Christ. It wasn't built on Christ. This is just the perpetual struggle of pastoring and counseling. People come into the office and they say, Pastor, my life is falling apart. Can you help me? And we say, okay, here, do this, do this, and do this. They go home. They come back in three weeks and say, Pastor, my life is falling, falling apart. Can you help me? And we say, okay, did you do this? Well, no, I didn't. Well, did you do this? I was gonna. Okay, did you do this? It was too hard. Okay, your life is falling apart. We're telling you how to, how to fix it. Jesus looks at you and he says, hey, the world is falling apart, going to hell in a handbasket. Here's how you fix it. Live like this. Behave like this in the culture. Trust God like this. Will you do it or will you not do it? All Jesus is asking is that you would simply obey his words. That you'd, you'd, you'd do it with a whole heart. You'd put your whole life into it. You'd live your life dedicated to obedience. Nothing else will save you. When Jesus, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. He was teaching as one who had authority. When Jesus has, has spoken throughout this series, he's spoken throughout these previous weeks with authority. He's told you how you ought to live your life. He's told you how you ought to live in the world. He's told you how you ought to prioritize your money, how you ought to prioritize your relationships, how you ought to prioritize your, your spiritual disciplines. And, and now the question is, are you gonna do it or are you not gonna do it? I, I get kind of tired sometimes as, as a leader because I'll have these really good conversations with students and, and we'll talk about their plan for the future and they'll talk about how they're going to get their grades in order. They're going to talk about how they're going to live their life together. But, but, but my real question is, are you going to do it or, or are you going to continue talking about your plan? I think far too many of you have a plan for how you're going to fix your life Far too many of you have a plan for how you're going to become more like Jesus. Far, you have a plan, but you have no action. And I'm asking you, will you stop just planning and start doing? Will, will you start just obeying? Do the hard work of obedience. It's not easy. It's difficult. But hey, we have a support structure here. 
We have trademark. We have our leaders. We have each other. And, and we have the accountability that comes from, from authentic relationships built around Jesus. This is who we are. This is what we do. When you're struggling to obey, you can hit up someone else in trademark and say, hey, Josh, I'm really struggling this week. Can you pray for me? This is, I, I love my leaders. I love, I, I can go to Anwar and say, Anwar, hey, I'm having a tough week. Can you just, can you pray that I do better? I'm not obeying right now and I need to obey. Can you help me out? We want to give you everything you need. If you're struggling with obedience, my number is 531-205-7604. If you're having a tough time, talk to me. It, your, your leaders are here and, and they will give you their numbers. They'll make themselves available to you. What do you need? I want you to obey. I, I want you to live this life. What, what's hard? What are you struggling in? Let me help you. I, I, I want to kill all the excuses. I, I just want to present the word of God and I want you to do it. There's not much else to say beyond that. You've heard it, now do it. Jesus has, has given us this sermon. He's given us these warnings. And, and so I, what I'd like us to do as, as we close is just to, to take a moment and consider our lives. To consider, are, are we obeying? Are you obeying in your life the call that, that God's given you? The things that, that Christ has asked you to do? What does your devotional life look like? How do you treat the other people in your life? What do you act like with your parents? And having examined your heart, are you willing to make a change? Are you willing to live differently? Beware, lest you've built your life on sand instead of rock. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you've given us, all the promises you've made, the strength that is found in you alone for life and obedience. Lord, I pray for every student who's heard these words throughout these last few weeks as, as we have encountered your word, as, as you've given us standards for our life. Lord, I pray that, that we wouldn't just listen to the word, but that we would do what it says that we would not deceive ourselves through false obedience, we wouldn't deceive ourselves through false hope, we wouldn't deceive ourselves through false teachers, but that we would truly obey your word, that we would truly live our lives and pattern after what you've called us to. Pray you give us the strength to do it. Would you show us areas in our lives where we're weak? Would you make us strong? We thank you, we love you, it's for your beautiful name. And your glorious name that we pray. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. I know that uh, everything going on right now in the world is kind of tough. Um, there's, there's all kinds of fear and stuff going on. Just want to again remind you that we are here for you. You can reach out to your leaders. You can reach out to uh, myself or Pastor Gabe. You can reach out through Instagram, through um, text, whatever, whatever you need to do. We want to be here for you. We want to pray with you. We want to support you. If, if you are struggling with some stuff, we love you. We want to help you. 
If, if you're struggling with just some fear and anxiety in this season, we, we want to help you. We want to pray with you. We want to be with you. We want to be a people who are in community together. And, and that, thanks to just the, the wonders of modern technology, doesn't have to be limited to a Wednesday night. So I'll, I love you guys. We're here for you. Feel free to reach out to us. Uh, just praying for you in this season. And enjoy the next few weeks of no school. There is a silver lining of that. Hey, I love you guys. We're going to keep posting throughout the rest of the week and, and the coming weeks and let you know everything that's going on in Trademark. And uh, it, it would only be fitting to end this way. Jesus, Jesus you, are you are better, better than, anything than anything in this world. In this world. Love you guys. Be blessed. Yeah.